0: A few months ago, we thought he was just trying to fit in. Now we know better. He's just a nut. Volkswagen North Scottsdale employees talking about their new general manager, Larry. Seriously, is Larry okay? Until June 30th, 2018, get a new 2018 Tiguan S for a certifiable 20175 Available only from VW North Scottsdale. Must finance with dealer to qualify and cannot be combined with any other offers. He's just giving these VWs away. Is this for real? VW North Scottsdale, your dog-friendly dealership. Get a leash on life. Scottsdale Road and the 101 and dot. Com. Welcome to the outhouse. Did you always realize you were gay? Getting... No, no, I just said I had great things. When
1: did you actually come out? How are you not a sweet. mess? Well, <laughs> <laughs> no. no, I got
0: better. Did you ever yell at your penis? It's already going bad. Oh, <laughs> wow. uh, Stephen, Steven, did you listen to that? Episode? I didn't listen to time. This <laughs> <No. laughs> is really getting frustrating. Did you have an exam?
1: No. No, I'm no. sure i <laughs> And this is the outcome. <laughs> I don't
0: know what you're going to ask me on the Hey guys, you're about to hear another out story. The nature of our podcast deals with sexuality in some uncomfortable situations. We think this makes the stories authentic, personal, and relatable. As for editing, we try our best to keep as much of our guest story as possible. With that said, thank you and enjoy the episode. To the outhouse. I'm your host, Matt, and I'm here today at Phoenix Pride. I want to say thank you first to them for hosting. Uh, we're in their conference room, so there's gonna be a little bit of an echo, and we'll try and mitigate that on the recording, but um, let's get a good story, and who cares about the background. I'm here today with Chris and Daniel and Eva. All right, welcome. Say hi. I am Daniel. And I'm Chris. I'm Eva. Eva, thank you for putting all this together. I read your guys' article in the echo, that was a pretty good article, and from that I learned that you two were friends, or have been friends for a long time.
2: Yeah, about 11 years. Yep. Um, yeah, so we actually, when I first moved up here, I um, rented the guest house behind Chris. Um, we Chris lived in, in Canto, in the Canto area, and had a guest house behind their main house, and I rented that out for a year, so that was actually my first um year here in phoenix so yeah we've been friends for 11 years
0: so i caught a little slip there uh were you calling chris she
2: yeah well you know because because i'm always so used to calling chris maya i mean i think because i've known him for such a long time i rarely ever call you chris so i always call you maya yeah and i think that's just it just happens it just slips
1: majority of the people in my life, like, friend-wise, like, outside and, you know, doing shows and all things like that, a lot of people don't even know my boy name of Chris. They always call me by my stage name, Maya. Okay. So it's very rare. So when people call me Chris, sometimes I'm off. I don't answer because I'm like – it doesn't register you're talking to me if you call me Chris. And then I'm like, what? Oh, sorry. So because people
0: just normally call me Maya. And I answer that normally. So when the phone rings and they uh, ask for Chris, you know it's a bill collector?
1: <laughs> yes. Okay, so you know, let's,
0: let's, uh, let's just go by Maya. Okay, sure. Okay, so the, the guest will know, or the listener will know that Chris is Maya. Right. And Daniel is Carrington. Sure. Yes. And Eva is Eva. Eva's Eva. <laughs> um, so we have you here today because Mr. and Miss, Phoenix Pride, 2018. How did you guys, uh, how that happen? Mm-hmm. You know, who said, hey, let's, let's try for that? Maya. I did. Um,
1: you know, I have I, I've run for you know a few pageants here in Arizona, and I've had an amazing reign at different ones of Miss Arizona America, Miss Arizona USA, Miss Arizona um, United States, and I thought to myself, I'm like, you know, I'm always wanting to run for pride, and you know, I I, I it would just be an amazing opportunity uh, to. Uh, get to talk to the community and be involved in the community and on a little bit of a different level, um, as being Miss um, Phoenix Pride, and um, you know I'm part of a cast of Elements at the B.S. West every Friday night. Is that
0: how's that different than like being a regular? So you, well, you're a
1: performer then. Yeah, performer. Okay. So having a cast,er I'm there every single Friday night, and um, I'm part of the, that cast. Other shows, I am the guest, in so they'll you know call me and, say, and and book me for different events and different shows, you know. And I come in, I do my numbers, and then I leave. There, I'm there every single week. My pictures on the wall and things like that in there, and I'm a, a regular. And people who come there know um, who the cast members are. Okay. In there, so that's the little different. Part. But um, Eva's actually a cast member there as well with me, and uh-huh. she um, and I've always I always love Pride, and I usually if I if I wasn't i seeing you know something with Pride, I was uh, judging Pride. One of the judges for it the year that Eva won I was one of the judges you know it really just sparked a lot in me it was really exciting and watching her journey and how she you know um, interacted with the community and and so forth and just all of the events that surrounded it were amazing and being a part of it with her a lot of the times you know at different events that she was at and whatnot, I was amazing and I thought I definitely want to do this I definitely want to give back even more you know financially making sure that we're, we're getting um, different fundraisers and things like that going, but also, you know, giving back emotionally, um, which is a lot of times, you know, forgotten, you know, in our community, you know, a lot of times entertainers really just go to do their show and then they leave and they don't think anything else of it. When you are Mr. and Ms. Phoenix Pride, when you're out and about, you are a representation of the community, so it's always making sure that you are keeping um, a a level of professionalism about yourself at all times when you're out and about, regardless of who
0: you're around. Does this title um, really cut into the amount of shade you can throw? (laughs)
1: <laughs> it should, um, <laughs> but it doesn't. No, it. You know, for me, for myself, it is very much a. The title is is a little bit much more for me. More of a platform within the Phoenix community, more than anything else. Rather than on a national level, um, as other titles that I've had have been more of a national, um, regional level where you can, you know, have a little bit more um, visibility. Here, this is more of a community title, and that's exactly what it is. And so, for myself, the community, it's how I want to represent myself within the community so that way when I step down or I walk away or I walk out of the room or whatever it may be, that they have a clear and understanding idea and picture of who I am as a human being Mm -hmm. and what my actual goal and desire is. For the community and that's what Phoenix Pride is for me and that's what I want to leave behind when I walk out. So it was really exciting because, you know, she crowned, I had to win a prelim and so I ran for the same prelim she did, Miss BS West, and she crowned me there and then she crowned me a few months later at um, the big dance, so to speak, and um, it was absolutely amazing. It was a full circle for me because I've gotten so close with, with Eva since her moving um, from Michigan to Arizona. It is you know, it's been a lot of change and everything for her and then to coming into all of this and then getting to know new people and, you know, being in the, in the different environments and things like that. Um, you know, her and I have gotten very close and it's been it was it was an amazing moment. Like I was it felt it felt a lot better than I ever thought it would just by winning. If it was somebody that I really didn't know crowning me, but because it was my friend crowning me, it would it meant that much more.
0: Very special. And how about you?
2: How did I start on this pride journey? Well,
0: (laughs) um, maybe before the pride journey, how did you start with performing?
2: Well, actually, I hadn't ever performed. Well, I'll take that back. I competed for a, um, in the community, there's this event uh, that used to be called Dancing with the Bars, kind of a spoof off Dancing with the Stars. And in 2014, I was selected to be part of that cast where they um, pair you with a, Pro dancer, and you raise money for an organization, and then you, at the end, perform in front of an audience, and um, you have judges. It's basically like the show. Um, so that was really kind of my first time ever doing something on stage. For the last 11 years, I've promoted like pageantry, so I promote within the Miss Gay America pageantry system, um, and so I've always been kind of back. In the back end of things so i never was kind of up front until 2014 and i did that and i raised at that time the most money a contestant has raised for that um, particular event and i really liked i really liked the performance part of it i really liked what me and my partner did and it was kind of like that kind of after i did that i thought to myself okay if i ever want to do something what do i want to do how am i going to do it and it really never just fell into place until this year. The community in Arizona, particularly in Phoenix, has done so much for me and my pageants that that I create and that I promote that I want to try to give something back to them. And I thought, what better way to do it than Phoenix Pride? And so I had said in an interview in Echo that that was something that I wanted to do in the future, and by that I meant like maybe three or four or five years down the road.
0: <laughs>
2: but they published that, and so people had had seen it and literally were like, okay, so like when are you going to do it, what are you going to do, you know, and I so then I spoke to the last year's Mr. Phoenix Pride, and I kind of, you know. I kind of asked him a lot of questions and what it entailed. And really, it wasn't until about October, like beginning of October, that Maya called me and said, so are you doing this? And I'm like, no, I don't think so. I'm going to wait another year. And she's like, no, you're going to you know, we're gonna do it together. And I said, uh, okay. And so our BS West prelim, I think it was in November. I think it was, right? So I literally had like maybe a month and a half to prepare for Mr. BS West. I was nervous. I mean, Maya's performed and competed for years. This is my first time. Um, and I literally kind of kept it a secret until I announced on Facebook that I was doing it. And so I competed for the same prelim that Maya competed for on the Miss side, BS West. Uh, we both won there. And literally, I think that was in November, I gave myself like a month to kind of decide what I wanted to do for Pride, for the pageant. And literally in January 1st, I held auditions for my dancers. I sent out my evening wear stuff. And so it's been such a whirlwind um, since then. So really, literally, the, the first time I had ever performed as Carrington was on that stage at BS West for my prelim. So that was in November. So it hasn't even been a year. Um, right out the cannon. Right out the cannon. And literally, I was like, okay, if Maya's doing it, I'm going to do it. I know Maya's going to do it right. And so I can't let that down, right? <laughs> and so I had to pull out pull out all my favors, ask all these people to help me and then come march. You know, we both did it and um, it's really been such a, so far, such a great experience. Um, the community has very much embraced both of us. and That was my biggest worry, was how is the community going to embrace me as Carrington? I already know how they do it as Daniel, yeah. but how are they going to embrace me as this kind of leader, this kind of role? And they've done it, you know, and I think a lot of it has to do with what I've done in the community previously. And so that's kind of how that
0: happened. <laughs> so is Carrington really a character
2: then? Um... Good question. I don't. It hasn't evol. It hasn't evolved into a character yet. I don't know that I've had time to. Cause because literally we got, you know, we got Crown vs West. We had to start planning for Pride, the pageant, and then we won. And then literally two weeks later was Phoenix Pride. I really haven't had time to figure out what carrying who Carrington is. Who is Carrington? Right. Yeah. No. I don't know if Carrington and Daniel are different. Um, one is just in front of the stage, and one is behind the stage. So that's kind of how that worked.
0: So uh, the one premise of the Outhouse is we share people's coming out stories. And so we're going to take it one at a time. And I believe, um, Maya, you said you would go first? Sure. First of all, um, and we go back and forth, whether we ask this question or not, but how do you self-identify for the listener? A gay male. Okay. And about what age did you realize that you were gay? Gosh, probably. Five years old. Okay, so five—that's what kindergarten, first grade. Just before kindergarten. Yeah. I'm horrible at age, yeah. So it's Yeah, <laughs> like up to two months, and then I can tell when you're 21. Right, that's it. <laughs> what was—was was there a precipitating
1: event, or was I there something that happened? For myself, I—I I, I mean, everything was for me was <laughs> you know it was all within my family, you know, and so, you know, I think the reason that I've always knew I was gay was because I. Always felt something very different. My brother and sister are eight and nine years older than I am. So the time okay. I came along, they're in their late teens, and then and as I'm getting older, they're in their twenties, and they're gone. So it was really just me and my parents. So you're
0: the baby of. So you? I'm the
1: baby of. No. Okay. So, um, you know, which you know, the time I came along, my parents are a little bit more financially stable. They were secure. We had this, this, and that. So I got a lot of stuff that I wanted, and you know, there was resentment of my brother and sister kind of looking at me. Um, but no, for myself, like I really felt more. Uh, I- I've always been. I'm not saying that if you are – wanting to play with Barbies all the time and wanting to dress up in girls' clothes as a boy that that makes you gay. Absolutely not. It's just strictly figuring things out and whatnot. But for me, it – like that feeling never, ever left me. And as I got older, I only found – I always thought boys were cute. I always thought boys were cute. I never looked at a girl in a sexual way. I never looked at hers. I thought, God, she's really pretty. I wish – you know. I like her hair. I like this. I like that. I like all the kind of things, whatever. Because I thought as a child growing up, I didn't know a lot about anything gay because gay was such a taboo subject growing up, you know. And in the 80s, I didn't know any of that kind of stuff. So I'm just like, you know, I, my parents, you know, I came up from a very very religious family. I was raised Jehovah's Witness. So we did not have, we didn't celebrate holidays, birthdays, celebrate nothing. And so growing up, you know, all that was really shielded. My mother was very protective of me. So I was shielded from a lot of the world. She took a brunt of everything for me. So I didn't really understand the depths of certain things about life in general because I didn't have to. It it never invaded my space. My mother always was a buffer. She definitely was mama bear, you know, as that term would be. And she she shielded me from a lot of it. You know, I didn't really experience a lot of, you know, what I would read – as I got older later on in those years what people went through, you know, during that time frame, I never experienced it because I was as young as I was and I had lived in such a uh,
0: shielded world. Speaking of living, where uh, can you give us like about where you guys where you grew up? Phoenix. Okay, so Phoenix. Yeah. So a little aside, um, you said Jehovah's Witness and <laughs> I know Lady Christian uh, Jehovah's Witness in like South Phoenix. Did you guys grow up about the same area? Not at all. I have no, no. idea. Okay, I didn't. I never even knew that about her. they no. Yeah, I didn't know that at all. Number thirty, I, I think. Yeah, no, just
1: kidding. <laughs> I knew about Jericho, but that was it. Yeah. Um, but you know, for myself, I I didn't you know involve any of that. So I literally just you know thought, well, there's something different about me. I don't know what it is but i'm not really affected by anything and i had my cousins my cousins always protected me and we went to the same schools you know there were grades higher than i was they always protected me and i never really got that type of anything it wasn't until i got into probably like the fifth and sixth grade that i started getting bullied because i was much more feminine than the other boys they were into sports and all these like that and that's when i started feeling things because then my, my mother wasn't there was no one there it was like me on my own and so you know i had gotten, you know, badgered and bullied and everything else, everything that a lot of kids have went through, you know what I mean, and being called names and going in the corner and depression and crying and all those kind of things, I went through all of that, you know, and then you came home and try to put on a brave face for your family so they wouldn't ask too many questions because it was really too hard to kind of relive, so to speak, Um, you know, and then when my mother would find out, it was just even all at war, so then, you know, my mother would go to school and take on the principal and the teachers and all the faculty, you know, and she was just very that person. And then, so for myself, it was just, it was very much like that. So I've always known yeah, that there was something different. I just didn't know exactly what it was.
0: So you, I didn't that like you were different, but you didn't necessarily think gay. I didn't That's know fine. what gay was, so I just knew it was different. I didn't so know anything did about that, it. When did that turn into a realization? I
1: was probably 15, and um, I started to notice, you know, things and and how, you know, your body does things and and your mind and all that. And so I started to experience all this kind of stuff of just, like, you know, what was interesting to me and what wasn't interesting to me and, you know, what I... The chemicals were working. Right. You know, like, you know, they had that, like, the (laughs) Showtime or or Skinamax or whatever they called it back in the day. And And it was on in the house, like, in my parents' room and I would, like, sit in the doorway and crack and go... And I figured, I'm like, what am I more attracted to? Was it the guy that was going in there or was it the one... I'm like... I would always like look at the breasts and go wow I'm like hers are really weird shape or like those are really pretty or like I was comparing things or like she should throw her hair back more you know I was never an attraction but like oh my god I'm like totally into her I would just be like that's nice so I never, so I knew then that something was going on there, but I was fear based based on the religion I grew up in and still grew up in at that time that I completely shut those feelings and buried all that deep as I possibly could it wasn't until I was 17 years old um, my mother um, died when I was 17. She died of lung cancer. And I had, before she had passed away, before it, we knew it had gotten as bad as it was, I remember I came in her room one night and I sat on the bed and I, talk, I was talking to her and I finally said, I need to tell you something because I knew that she was you know, going, going to die at, you know, within the next few months or whatnot. And I said, um, I, I feel that I'm, I'm gay. And you know, my mom's like, she looked at me and she goes, oh, don't worry, honey, it's just a phase. It'll go away. And that's how she left it. And so I just kind of was like, all right, well, my mother's never lied to me, so that's cool. So I just turned it off in my mind and I didn't think anything more about it. And then it was probably about a month and a half or so later that she passed on. About six months or so um, after she had passed on, I was like, you know, I need to, uh, I know that I'm gay and I need to just deal with it. You know, I'm now 18. I'm like, I just need to come out and say it. So um, I told my sister. Because she was the closest I was with, you know, that I was to, before my, you know, remember the passed away. This could go really good or really bad. Exactly. That's definitely what I thought. And I thought, I don't know. So I looked at her, and I, my, I told my sister, I said, um, you know, I I know that I'm gay. And she's like, how? How do you know that? I'm like, well, it's not like I took a test. I mean, like, I know I'm gay. <laughs> and, you know, and so we're like, you know, she was just like, okay, so let's kind of talk to her whatever about it. And I said, but don't say anything to Dad or my brother because i have to you're the first person so i've got to like work myself up and kind of get myself more established and, and more secure in my thought process before we unleash the kraken so to speak on it here hold this grenade I'm going to take a pin. pen right no we'll worries do yeah just hold really tight <laughs> so i thought well okay here we go so then it was it was in that afternoon so that evening I'm walking down the hallway into the living room, and I go around, and I'm sitting on the couch, and I'm, I do not know what I was doing. And all of a sudden, my sister goes, hey, come here for a second. And I'm like, okay. So I, like, get up, and I walk into the family room, and my dad's sitting in there, and she goes, tell dad what you told me earlier. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, all of my blood has now gone from here down to <laughs> my feet, and I'm just like, oh, and I looked at her, and I thought, and I think she knew that if I could have choked her out and gotten away, with, that I would have. And I still was tempted, even if I couldn't get away. How many hours did she hold on to this? Maybe, maybe five. <laughs> oh
0: <my laughs> Which apparently, beginning to growing up
1: with her as an adult and me as an adult, that's a huge feat for her because I think she's only been able to hold a secret for minutes. So I thought, okay. So my dad looks at me and he he's like turns the television off and he turns around and he's sharing looks me and he's like, okay. Now, mind you, my father is a, he was a foreman at a steel company. Okay. Just. A dude's dude, like, and that's just how he, you know, and so I, yeah, I just, and I'm thinking, oh my god, this is gonna go really bad, and I kept, thinking, and then in my mind I'm like, where can I go? Can I go stick my cousin's house? I just try to figure out I, what I was gonna do, Plan B, because I didn't want to be, and I looked at him and I said, um, I go, Dad, I go, well, I told my sister earlier that, um, you know, I know that I am gay, and. You know, and I hope that you can accept and love me for me, and know that it, just because I'm gay, it doesn't change me as a person. I'm, I'm still the same person I was before I walked in this room.
0: You were able to articulate
1: all. That. I said that to him because I'd had it planned in my head. Because I, what I was doing for the last five hours before my sister decided to do this was I was trying to put together how I was going to verbally say this out loud. Okay. And so I, that's kind of what my plan was. So I had kind of bullet points on a piece of paper. That was still in my room (laughs) that I didn't get to say. So um, my dad looked at me. He goes, let me stop you there. And I thought, oh, crap. I'm like, this isn't going to go well. And he looked at me and he said, I want to tell you right now that I love you. You are still my son. It does not change anything about you. He goes, you are still uh, my son, and I love you very much. And it doesn't matter who you love as long as you can love.
0: How fantastic.
1: And I thought, huh? Mm -hmm. And I just – and as exciting as it was – in relief as it was, it was also kind of disappointing because I was like, I had really hyped myself up to like this have this fight of a lifetime, and you know like defending myself and I you know I'm a human being and this and the other, and then it was just like, no no you're good, and I'm like, oh, huh. I had literally worked myself up, pretty much for nothing. So that was that with my father. But what was the feeling then? So he's like, that's fine, that's great, or. Yeah, he was, he's like, it's not a problem for me. He's like, I love you, you're still my son. He goes, it changes absolutely nothing. He goes, I don't love you any less than I loved you before you came in here to tell me this. Do you remember kind of what you were thinking at that point? I just thought, I am beyond lucky because I had just gotten done reading horror stories prior. I had gotten done reading absolutely horrific stories of families that have have nothing to do with their children or have said the most heinous things to them. And I thought, I am honestly so fortunate to have a father that would even look at me and, and not change his, his viewpoint of me. Do you think your mom would have had the same reaction? Absolutely. Okay. Mm-hmm. See? That's awesome. Absolutely, for sure. It was my brother. Yeah, that was, okay. I was going to ask. was the difference. So I never told my brother that I was gay. Well, your
0: sister probably beat you My good. sister
1: absolutely did. She <laughs> told my sister-in-law. <laughs> was who, Facebook around back then? Not at all. Oh, because no. she would have been on that. On in a second. Um, Yeah, the internet didn't really pop out until like 99, so this is like 98. Okay. My sister-in-law finds out, and she of course tells my brother. Well then, I get a message from, um, or a related message from my sister-in-law from my brother that he disowns me, he wants absolutely nothing to do with me, um, that I'm completely dead to him, and you know, our communication, everything is completely done.
0: Do you ever say why? It's just because I because I'm gay that, that is that we're done but do you, now did he get big into the church was there a relig- did he get more religious or he wasn't religious at all he just didn't gay people in his eyes
1: were sinners and completely wrong and um, he didn't want anything to do with anybody like that hmm. That was his viewpoint So he and I didn't speak for four years when did he come out <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> Well no um, so he had nothing to do with me. So for four years, we didn't speak. And my sister-in-law was one of my biggest advocates. She was like, you don't need to be like this with your brother. He's still your brother. It doesn't, nothing's changed. What is wrong with you? You know, all that kind of stuff. And my brother just was very adamant. He wants nothing to do with me. And so it was four years. It was when he went through his divorce. He got divorced for the very first divorce ever. And um, he came to my dad's house. Before his divorce happened, he started dating um, his receptionist. And so there was a secret life happening or whatever. Well, his wife found out, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so the fact of the matter is he came to the my dad's house, and we almost bonded in his weird in this weird way, um, and I, you know, would, you know, because I was close with his his ex-wife, but you know, I really did like his new girlfriend. She was very nice too, <laughs> and so, you know, and he, and it was, it was a like, something we could share, so to speak. Like he would take me, like, to her house, and we'd you, hang out. You say you have something to share. Was it the secret life? It was the secrecy of it. It was like something that he was because he d- had denied it so much with his current wife that mm-hmm. nothing was going on, but something was going on. And, you know, she didn't know who it was and all this kind of stuff or whatever. And so it almost seemed as if, you know, I had a secret that I was holding for him because I could have easily said, oh, yeah, we're well, her name is such and such and she lives here. But I never did. I kept, I thought, that is your life. That is your, you know, demons to battle and everything else. So I don't have nothing to do with that. Okay. And it's like he respected me for that or whatever. And then we became very close. And my brother and I became extremely close. And, um, you know, he got through his divorce. He then ended up marrying his. Now, the girlfriend now, the wife, his wife now of many years, um, you know, and they've had a son and everything. And I, you know, I'm I'm close with my brother, actually. Mm -hmm. And so I go to his house. We do barbecues. He's been to my shows. I mean, he's just it's just it's a very different world. And, you know, he pulled me aside and told me, he goes, you know, I always thought that if I just took you and threw you in a room and locked the room, locked the door with uh, anywhere in there with a bunch of naked women, that it would change you and you'd be all right. I said, no, I said, that would be the uh, completely opposite of what it would do to me. I said, completely Showing opposite. Tennis. Exactly. I'm like, no worries. Let's <laughs> get the snatch-up ponytail and let's get going. Um, but no, that, that's what it was for me. It was just, it was very much his mentality that way. And it wasn't until I educated him and he realizing that I was the same person that I have always been. It's just the simple fact that I have now verbally come out that I'm gay.
0: But So during this time between the time you, you told your dad and your brother... Were you living an out life, or were you no. kind of in the closet? I was very much in the closet still. Okay. I was very much.
1: Um, so this was your secret life that you bonded with your brother. In pretty side. much, okay. absolutely. And so I like I wasn't very, you know, I was very, um, I would be very skittish. i went on dates, and it would, I, a part of me would die inside if they wanted to hold my hand in a public area. I was like, what are you doing? Like it just, it, it wasn't. Because it was there was so much chaos happening and I had not you know, realizing, and remembering that I didn't have to experience a lot of the things as a child growing up when it came to, when it comes to certain you know um, events that hadn't happened that you know, a lot of kids have to deal with, you know, on their own or whatever. I was very shielded from all of it. So for me I that conf- confrontation and that conflict, I never experienced it. So as an adult now, knowing that, you know and hearing the stories and, and the the T V shows that would come on or whatever about people coming out being gay, I, my mind was just reeling from it. And I just assumed that anytime time anyone, if a guy touched my hand, that you know we would get beaten up or you know, and put in the hospital or killed or something. So that was my mentality, where I didn't know any better. And I had to learn that I had to stand up and be proud of who I am as a human being and, and, and helping other people to remember that I am a human being just as they are and that my love
0: doesn't mean any less than theirs. I'm trying to put the ages together. So 18. So I'm like today. 19
1: years old, like 18, 19 years old now.
0: Okay. When did you first go on a date or your first encounter? Um, I was. We don't need all the details, but I was 19 when was the there?
1: first time that I, you know, i been on a few dates prior, but nothing happened. It wasn't until I, I was 19 and I snuck in a club. It was called Foster's back in the day, and I had gotten a, um, my friends boyfriend had an extra id from florida mm-hmm. and <laughs> you know they pun- used to punch holes in them i don't know if they do that anymore um, but it didn't punch out anything vital so and it was up kind of towards the top so i put it on my keychain and um and so that way it looked like that's why i did it but nothing was out so they let me in so i got into to foster's and my friend became a whore and left me and i was just like oh okay so I got a beer because I thought that was the only thing I could drink that was at least mild enough that I've had before in my life. And I remember standing in a quarter drinking a beer, and I met eyes with this guy, and it was very much you know a cat and mouse kind of game. Like the vision, like he he looked at me and I'm all like, what do I do? You know, and I didn't know what to look, and I was a rat, and so he's, he's like, like newbie. Yeah, very that, very that. He was very like I was obviously the mouse in this, and so I'm like screwing around the club trying to find my friend, cannot find my friend anywhere. And then I get cornered by this guy, and he was very nice, and he's like, you know, just very smooth with what he was saying and this and the other. And um, I ended up, I had my, you know, my car, or whatever. And so my friend's like, well, I'm going to stay, and I'm like, okay. I'm like, well, I'm going to get going. He's like, and the guy's like, oh, it's like I just live around the corner. He's like, you know, um, I'm I came with my friends, um, and they already left. You know, do you mind dropping me off? And I'm like naive me sure why not well then i didn't it didn't put two, two together as i'm walking out the door he walks over to say goodbye to his friends that haven't really left mm-hmm. <laughs> and he is in the car with me and i go back to his house it was my 1st mellow kiss i'd ever had fireworks for me yeah because i it was amazing i was like oh my god this is oh so amazing and then the next time we I, a few days later i went back to his house and then we kissed again but i specifically remember it wasn't as much fireworks for me that time because Somehow he had eaten onion dip prior, so I kept smelling onion, <laughs> and that stuck with me, and it like completely turned me off. So
0: it's still a date.
1: It's still a <laughs> date. <laughs> it's still a date. So Flores up in there. Literally. <laughs> that's
0: that's a good old story. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, it wasn't
1: like overly. It wasn't like tragic of any kind, like that. You know, it was a little turmoil, you know, with my brother or whatever. But I mean, ultimately it. Came full circle for the most part.
0: Yeah, but you you went through pretty much what everybody goes through to some degree. Right. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of life in your head before you come out. You I had a lot of inner turmoil before because I had yeah.
1: put all of these barriers on myself based on what I thought I knew, based on on not actually talking to these people or you know anybody in the, you know in my family about it and what they really thought or what you know, the religion was about, I just put all these stops on everything for myself without doing it. And that's one thing as a, as a person, as an adult today, that I still have to stop doing to myself. And I, I always try to remind myself, quit stopping, put putting stops on
0: things, just because this is what you think. Okay, so that's, that's an interesting dynamic there, because you're putting stops on yourself, but at the same time, you're also a performer. And if it's like any performance I've ever seen, there ain't no stops. Yes and no. Yes and no
1: for me. you know okay. it's um you know my performance life of, of what I do i'm I'm very comfortable in uh, different avenues and everything of how I express myself when I'm on the stage and everything. but you know there are times that I will second guess something, I won't do a number or I'll have it changed or I won't wear something or like that and I because I put stops on myself immediately because I Start self-doubting, as we all do as people. Start self-doubting ourselves. And I did the same thing as a child, and I'll do it as an adult. And I have to remind myself to work through my fear, to work through that. Because the only person that is stopping me is me. Nobody else on this planet is doing that. It's just me. It's all in my head, you know, and I have to get through that. And even if it was something that somebody verbally said out loud to me, mm-hmm. it's upon how I'm going to receive that information and discard it, it would allow me to still go forward. So it's just making sure that I'm always keeping that balance with myself at all times. I see a lot of head nodding over there, Daniel.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is there anything else you'd like to share about your answer
1: No, I would just say I, I think for myself, you know, anybody who's listening that would, you know, mm-hmm. is getting ready to make that, you know, that next step for themselves and wants to live their true authentic selves and be who they generally honestly are and have, you know – The epitome of happiness is to be exactly who you are and as scary as it is and scary as it can be it's scarier in your head than it is in reality and just to learn to be able to take a step back and realize that everything that's going on in your head isn't what's actually happening outside is is that pretty much what you would have told yourself back then absolutely i would have told myself that it put that bullet
0: point list away (laughs) Yes. just
1: go out there and just do it and you'll be surprised on the reaction you'll get on the flip side of that, what if your dad had not been receptive? Well, I had a plan. I was going to my cousin's house. My cousin, my friend, had I had all the bullets going. She I, had a bullet bullet point, sure, I had bullet points. <laughs> remember, I had bullet points. <laughs> I had my story lined up already. Yeah. I'm very much a planner. I, I, that's one of the The reason I stop as much as I do because I think, well, if this happened, that happened, that happened. then you to do this, this, and this. I'm the person that comes into you, like a room and I look around. and I'm like, how would I get out of here if I'm stuck? we cre- i always I always have a plan B. I'm a plan B person. I always have been.
0: I think if there's a fire in here, we're screwed. Pretty much. I don't think that door opens. Uh, and those bars aren't open. <laughs> it does open, but you have to wiggle it. The keys in the other end. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and I don't have keys. Well, awesome. Uh, thank you for sharing. Uh, OK, so let's go back to a little bit of promotion here. Yeah, absolutely. So Miss Phoenix Pride, what do you yes. have to do for them? How much time does that take up for you?
1: Miss Phoenix Pride, Yeah. Is, this is a very busy month. June is super busy. Well, it's, it's National nice. Pride mm-hmm. Month, of course. Um, but I also um, I lead in the the uh, lead for um, the entertainment um, for uh, Flagstaff Pride, so that's this weekend. So I book all the entertainment to go up there. I go up there and I perform. I perform at the festival that day. And then I go there that night. I go to the Orpheum Theater in Flagstaff and we perform there as well. Um, so there's a lot of you know that um, there's a lot of promotion for it. A lot of promotion for um, a lot of stuff that's going on with Phoenix Pride. You know, the gala's coming up on Saturday. I'm so I'm so that I'm missing it because I really, really wanted to go. But I had you know, I, I do this every year, so I have this prior commitment that is annually for me. And I've done it for them for the last three years. So is that why you're not
0: on all the promotions? Yeah. Like other people in this room? Very
1: bad. No, he you know, and, and that's and that's the thing that's you know, it's it's really hard because, you know, trying to when you have those prior commitments, my biggest thing for myself is to always make sure that I am doing my best to try to always fulfill my prior commitments because so often it's so easy to say oh i can't make it i can't do it i can't do this i can't do that and my biggest goal for myself is to not do that is to make sure that even if i am tired and everything just just suck it up and do it because sure, at the end of the day yeah cool. it's worth it it's a payoff at the end of the day so it's it's definitely worth it and for me you know for myself with pink Pride, you know we're Danny and I are going to be jumping into um, bringing back the junior pride and getting the youth back involved, you know, helping the youth remember and, and help give back to a community that's given them so much. That's helped shield them from a lot of things that have gone on and happened, um, so that way that they are able to live their authentic selves um, at a younger age than a lot of us did here, too. Is there a
0: one-in-ten crossover there? What's that? With the there mm-hmm. is Yeah. Yes. Okay.
1: Nice. So, yeah, so we're doing that for sure. So, there's a lot happening. And so, there's, and then he and I are always thinking of fundraising ideas and things like that to help build more and more for the Phoenix Pride Scholarship so that way we can give away more money for more people to be able to go back to school. Well, in the article, you guys were very cagey about
0: those. Yes. Your plans? Are yes. you able to announce
1: anything? Yet? Nothing right now because um, it's a, with large corporate sponsors, as a lot of stuff we're doing. Is it going to so. be a larger
0: version of the tamale sale <laughs> that you guys there? That was my that tamale sale.
1: That was his tamale I
2: sale. Oh, that's <laughs> mine. And I may do too. And I may do it again this year too. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Sounds amazing. A little bit of research comes along. Yes.
2: I guess. I don't remember seeing that in the article. I guess I, Did I? Yeah.
0: Tell everybody where they can find you. Where's your shows? Do a little well, self-promotion. Absolutely. Well, I am
1: um, a cast member uh, at Elements every Friday night at 1030 at BS West in Old Town Scottsdale. Um, and then every Saturday uh, at 1030 at
0: Club Vault. Awesome. So uh, thank you very much for sharing this. Thank you all for being on this episode. That's, that's going to sound weird because we're going to just turn around and do another one. I want to thank Daniel and Eva for sitting in on this episode. Eva, thank you for the three words you said. You're welcome. Appreciate it. Five. <laughs> five, awesome. right? Okay. All right. That's scale right offering. there, right? <laughs> you are welcome. Oh, okay. I see. I'm to cross the threshold. <laughs> three words? Six. Right. Six <laughs> <Seven>, eight. <laughs> Pretty excited now. All right. So stay tuned. And uh, Daniel, you will be the first guest in season four. I can't Yay. wait. That means the guests are going to have to wait. It's probably be a um, that's great. More exposure for Phoenix Pro.
1: I'm still so last season now. I'm, 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 I'm He's on the I'm season premiere. Now. Oh, is it? He- yeah.
2: Okay, so I go to North Scottsdale, Volkswagen of North Scottsdale. I ask for Larry. I you mentioned- ask for
0: Larry, and he'll take up to $500 off your first payment on a lease of a 2018 VW. Up to 500 bucks, right there. Boom. Nice. It's good all the way through 2018. I can't even pronounce them. The Tiguan.
2: Well, you could have the lovely Tiguan like I drive, (laughs) which I got to tell you gives awesome gas mileage. You can fit all my kids' stuff, groceries. And then you go up to the Atlas. That's got the third row. So you know all about this. I do. Well, we are on our third Volkswagen. Oh,
0: well, hell. Well, if you're going to upgrade and you want a new car, VW is a good way to go. And he's going to take up to $500 off that first payment.
2: Larry, I love you.
0: He's a good guy.
1: Volkswagen or Scottsdale, I feel like Larry's going to be my new best friend. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think he, yeah, he's going to love what you just did there. You can find new and existing episodes wherever you get your podcasts or directly at theouthouse.buzzsprout.com. One more? Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Outhouse Podcast. We also have a closed Facebook group where you can talk about the show and share in community. Got a story you want to share? You can email us at theouthousepodcast at gmail.com. The Outhouse Podcast is a production of GMN Services, LLC. All content copyrighted 2017 GMN Services, LLC.